0: Hello and welcome to Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions, where every episode we discuss some scientific misconceptions and we hope that you learn something you didn't already know about the world. I'm here with my co-host Camden, walk in the park, Hanslick-Burton.
1: And joining me is my co-host Margaret, egg whites only, Hanslick-Burton.
0: And joining us for the second time as a special guest is Peter Mixologist Baki. (laughs) Welcome (laughs) Welcome to the show. show. Thank you so much for joining us again for another episode. Um, even though you were one of our very first guests, we haven't spoken to you in a while and I also on, on air, on air. No, we have spoken to you in Just real
1: life. Peek by the curtain. We do
0: talk
2: to these people <laughs> yes, sorry. off, off air. Good, good, for the, good for the annual podcast yeah. and then see you later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. We'll, we'll catch up later yeah. about the last On the next year. one. Yeah.
0: Um, Peter has also furnished us with these amazing cocktails. Can you briefly describe the two that you've made, Peter?
2: Wow. Well, the first one is Camden's drinking uh, one of my own creations. I call it the Boss Lady. It was curated in a birthday party a few years back.
0: Curated. Uh, you I know, love
2: that. Um, and it has a little whiskey, a little ginger beer, a little... Um, what's it called? Grenadine. Grenadine. Thank you for a little blush. Mm-hmm. And it's sitting in a nice uh, champagne flute. It is. And then we have two um, Pisco Sours, which is a simple classic it's got an egg white on top finished with a few dots of angostura bitters Uh, so good simple and delicious yeah so an extra fun episode don't be on your (laughs) way um
0: before we get going do you want to remind folks what you do peter
2: wow i am a science educator i'm currently at franklin high school and having fun with with the ninth graders mostly
0: right All right. Well, let's get started. Our first segment every week is where we share something that we're excited about. Cameron, do you want to go first?
1: Uh, yeah. I was in Chicago for a hot 24 hours this week.
0: Was it even that long?
1: I mean, probably not. Well, maybe like 20 hours. I feel like you've done that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done it to Philadelphia a lot. So Chicago's not as bad as one less hour of a time change. Mm. Um, for Knowles. uh, Teacher Initiative. Shout out. Peter has also been affiliated yeah. with those folks.
2: There was some news coming out of the Knowles. Yeah.
1: office. Um, yeah, just also special tribute to Harry Knowles, who is mm-hmm. the founder of the foundation. Um, he passed away this week and truly a uh, like just an inno- like he was famous for being an innovator and mm. invested a lot of his resources in. STEM education, uh, which is not something we see a lot in folks who maybe gain their wealth in the STEM fields, and so um, yeah, it very like just a person with clear vision and has impacted STEM mm. teaching throughout the country.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, changed so, the lives of many teachers. That's yeah, right. including and, and their spouses, including
2: two. Yeah, well, really, yeah, including <laughs> everyone here at this table. I think there um, are, there are probably dozens of teachers that. Would not still be in teaching if it weren't for...
0: Yeah. That, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. He put a lot of efforts towards supporting teachers in their first
1: years of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, where, we, where the research shows that a lot of teachers are lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, special remembrance to him. Went to Chicago. Um, yeah. Margaret?
0: So I am excited about... It's not about anything morbid this time, I promise. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. Pasta... Oh, pasta. pasta. We, Camden and I, as a Christmas present to ourselves, um, took a pasta making class at a cookbook shop on Monday, Wednesday night. Oh. And it was great. I'd never taken an actual cooking class before. And the person who directed it was wonderful, really clear. We all made some amazing pasta. I had the best salad I've ever had in my entire life. And I've wow. eaten a lot of salads as a vegetarian. Um, and then you get all those recipes to take home. So I'm really excited to remake that whole meal.
1: Misconception. All pasta does not take the same amount of time to cook. Fresh pasta cooks minutes. Minutes. Like and
2: one to two minutes, right?
1: There mm-hmm. are many adults listening on this who are going,
0: Oh,
2: you poor child. Oh.
0: I, I will say that's not a misconception we all held. Sure.
2: <laughs> um, Maybe just. You know, it's unfortunate a lot of us didn't. Don't get a chance to eat fresh pasta yeah, very yeah. often. It's great.
0: But we were talking about how it really is like, it's, it's effort, but it's cheap to make though. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. eggs and it's flour and mm-hmm. a, sometimes yeah. a little bit of water and that's it.
1: Yeah, You can see sort of how like a lot of um, famous cultural dishes sort of got their roots of like, oh yeah, this was a humble, pretty mm-hmm. easy thing to make with a few ingredients.
2: Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Was, that's fun.
0: Cannot emphasize how enough how tasty it was. Um, Peter, what are you excited about?
2: Wow. Well, I've been very excited recently, uh, in general. But mm-hmm. and then let's go under the umbrella of beverages mm-hmm. as we've uh-huh. uh, talked we about have food, cocktails already. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to narrow in on a specific aspect: um, foams. Actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So on this pisco sour that we're drinking, there is a foam. Um, and it's made from egg white, which uh, has albumin in it. And um, I was also gotten really into chai, like s- spice chai masala. Mm-hmm. And um, I put a recently put a meringue on the spice chai, which is wow. also egg whites and some simple syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, also love the the milk foam. You know, getting yeah. making w- whipped cream. Um, and there's a lot of cool science stuff you can do. There's random other foams that you can get into. So mm-hmm. very, foam is just a very interesting substance scientifically and culinary wise.
0: Yeah. It, it seems like magic to me when you have like a bowl of egg whites and then somehow you transform them into something that is very solid. Mm-hmm. Like the meringue test is you lift right. the bowl over your head. But it just, it seems like
2: it's magic. magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. We could have a whole episode mm-hmm. on meringue. Yeah.
0: I'd, I'd love to. Foam. I'm Next so, one. Now I'm hungry. 2021, foam. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Peter's foam corner. <laughs> Peter's foam corner.
0: All right. So let's head into the main segment of the show, which of course is the misconceptions. Every week, we each bring a new scientific misconception to share, explain, and discuss. As a note, none of us know exactly which misconception we're doing. That way, the people who are listening can listen right along with you all and be surprised right along with our listeners. So... We gotta figure out who goes first. We do. Um,
1: I do not recommend flipping these glasses. No. Finger fencing? What is oh, that? Oh, finger fencing. Margaret, <laughs> no. oh, you that's taught right, me finger fencing. Right, that's, right, that's right, yeah.
2: There's, we're sitting in a, an apartment that is about uh, 500 square feet. <laughs> and I think we would destroy the place. Yeah. I
0: think it could, yeah, definitely. Um, how about we do a random number generator? Ooh. And you go, you both go Somewhere first.
1: Holding the mic to the keyboard.
0: <laughs> I already got there. Sorry, I got there early. <laughs> Great, here we go. We'll do the okay. fully later. So you two both pick a number between one and ten.
2: In my head or out loud?
0: Um, you can say oh, yeah, it out loud because I-, I haven't picked it yet. Three. Okay. Oh, seven. Okay, I'm going to generate it. I'm going to generate it yay it's Camden he's 7 so then it was a 10 it was a 10 so yeah sorry it was a 10 Peter. it was a 10 yeah sorry and then um, do you want to go against me yep okay I say 8
1: hmm I'm going to take Peter's 3
0: okay here we go 1, One. <laughs> oh my gosh the so
1: conspiracy
0: let's do Camden Peter me
1: great yep let's do that here we go alright hot tamale go for it alright <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question, okay? If you hit your head, Mm -hmm. or maybe have had a couple drinks, uh, why do people say both of those
2: things are bad for you? Oh, definitely kills brain cells. Margaret,
0: I was taught in my um, freshman year of college at a alcohol awareness seminar although I feel like everyone was aware of alcohol, um, that alcohol kills brain cells. So I'm going to agree with Peter on that one.
1: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Let's talk the death of brain cells. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Wait, how did you
2: both know
0: to do that?
1: What is that from?
2: Why did we both know that? Oh, Wayne's World? I wanted it to be a little bit more morose.
0: (laughs) Yours was was like... (laughs) Very (laughs) jaunty. It was like
2: going to your happy place. Yeah. (laughs) We'll Mine was it. more like,
0: do-do-do. Oh, okay, okay, okay.
2: <laughs> I'm going to cut that. And
1: I, I really actually do want to make that. So here we go. Uh, brain cells. First, a bit of brain cell biology. Jump in when you want. BCB. BCB. Um, brain cells are another way of talking about neurons, uh, which carry electrical signals mm-hmm. and throughout the cell and ends up producing a chemical signal at the very end Which goes down another signal, triggers another brain cell. This is generally how our nervous system works electrical Mm -hmm. signals, passing on chemical signals, and so on. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We give everyone here an analogy. Think of a tree. This Mm. is roughly the the generic neuron. What kind of tree?
0: Like a conifer? Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: No, Um, like a deciduous tree. Okay. Okay. Get an oak, a big old a healthy oak. What about maple? I'm thinking about a maple. You know, I'll let you think <laughs> about really maple. Mine's really pretty.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. All right. Mine's
0: yeah. 100 years old. Good.
1: <laughs> Good. That'll <Yeah>. help. <laughs> no saplings in this analogy. It won't hold up. Um, the branches and the leaves, the, the canopy area-ish, we can think of as one part of a neuron of the brain cell, both of their eyes are closed. (laughs) Just want, um, excuse me, you're interrupting my visualization. Please, if everyone, if you're driving, do not close your (laughs) eyes. So, the, that part of the tree, the leaves and the branches, are what we call the dendrites. They receive information, Mm -hmm. from another brain cell, another neuron. Mm. Um, This is the input, the signal, that gets transferred to the trunk, of the tree, which we call the axon of a neuron. Axon. That is where the signal travels through and Mm -hmm. through an electrical means and arrives at the roots (laughs) of the tree. (laughs) What?
0: He's making sound
1: effects. Oh, Soma. Soma. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. That, so goes through then (laughs) to the roots. Peter, as a biologist is helping me bring in other (laughs) technical words. Um, To the terminal ends, Mm. axon terminal, Uh. uh, where that signal is then sent out into the ground or an area between two neurons would be called the synapse.
0: Mm. I will mention that the axon terminal is my favorite part of the airport.
1: (laughs) Is this a joke?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good...
1: What's the joke? Uh. The the terminal. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the
2: lounge at the axon terminal so, is
1: quite, oh quite slanky. The, the so. branches receive information. Those are the dendrites. Go into the axon, the trunk, uh, then down to the roots, the very ends where it passes that signal on. Okay. Yes, the analogy breaks down because there's no tree underneath the ground waiting mm-hmm. to receive that signal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There we go. So that's a little bit about brain cells in case you're kind of wondering what are it? There are also hundreds of types of brain cells. What? Or, of neurons to be clear. Um, they do not all look like a tree. The textbook example sort of looks like that.
0: Okay.
1: Um, they're very common ones like unipolar, bipolar, no. all of these. Okay. Anyway, but I, that <laughs> I've made two of a lot. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> so the question is, can we lose brain cells? A quick yes. Google search of do we lose brain cells dot, dot, dot returned me with do we lose brain cells every day? Do we lose them as we age? Do we lose them when we sneeze? Do we lose them we when sneeze. smoking marijuana? Do we lose brain cells, period? Do we lose them when we're pregnant? Ooh. So Google and Pe- people...
2: People are really wondering about they this. They yeah, are wondering. They, they want lot to lot know.
1: Self-care for and, your gray matter. <laughs> yes. And here I am to tell you all about your brain cells and whether you lose them. The quickest answer here to sort of bust up this misconception at the beginning is... In a lot of these scenarios, we do not lose brain cells. The all quickest right, I'm answer gonna is... to fix another drink. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> uh, the easiest answer here is humans have evolved for millions of years. It would actually be problematic if like a tap on the head or a sneeze. Oh
0: my goodness. Or a
1: little bit of smoke or a little bit of alcohol killed off our brain cells. Mm-hmm not to I'm going to put this clearly there is not that there are no health issues related to smoking or drinking alcohol I'm not here to tell you that it's just these are not it's not like a sip is taking out a brain cell as I think we would uh, have commonly historically learned Mm. Um, yeah these don't
2: lead to the loss of brain cells can you tell us anything about brain cells and uh, their life because I think that's somewhat related Yeah. like even if even if drinking did kill brain cells and then you regenerated them the next day. I think there are also some ideas about brain cells and if they can reform, how fast, and all that.
1: I love it. We're going to get to it. Great. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. Uh, one thing that I thought was very interesting is that um, a lot of information came from this misconception of that our brains do shrink as we age mm. and that brains actually also shrink um, when people are pregnant, um, Why? Which is a condensing of gray matter is not necessarily related to brain cell loss, but it is related to dehydration. <laughs> related <laughs> to something that we will learn about, which is synaptic pruning. Oh yeah, yeah which yeah. is an amazing band word. Band yeah, name. it really is. Um, quick things about what does kill brain cells. I, I mentioned that. If the question here is, okay, well, something must. Yes, some things do. Um, The reason why we think alcohol does play a role in brain cell death is that it leads to the harming of the myelin sheath, Hmm. which is that insulation um, for people who are familiar with electricity. When you insulate anything that carries an electrical current, the current moves faster. I'm looking at my physicist across the table. (laughs) Um, that's right. And so if we are, if alcohol harms that fatty insulation some way, that might be what we see as this, um, sort of like cognitive, um, like decay in folks who like might suffer from alcoholism or yeah, things like that. And so that's not necessarily the loss of brain cells so much as the impairment in that function um however not to say that you couldn't harm yourself irreparably your brain is forming your specifically the prefrontal cortex is forming up until 25 ish Mm -hmm. which begs the question of a lot of laws of should people be allowed to drink at 21 what are the issues related to that this is not to say we're going to go into that Camden,
0: I think our listeners should know Camden's a real prohibitionist. Yeah. <laughs> I sip
1: on, is it, this is, this is a mocktail, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> Teetotaler. <laughs> uh But the, you could irreparably stunt the development of your prefrontal cortex, which is why binge drinking mm. and serious drinking before the age of 25, especially in ad- basically the younger you are is mm-hmm. problematic. Yeah. I did so, not go down that rabbit hole. There's probably a lot of information. And so you're
2: use. saying that drugs like alcohol can can inhibit your development but not necessarily kill existing brain cells? Yes. At le- so far, that is,
1: the research there was more like the damage is in stopping the development. Yes, like you when said. When you're mm. younger than 20, But it's not necessarily right? taking away something you already have. Oh. Gotcha. Are there um, drugs or activities that you came across that can for sure, kill brain
2: cells. Um,
1: strokes or any type of way to starve the brain of oxygen, mm. as you would imagine, cell your body needs oxygen. Specifically, the parts of your body that need oxygen are your cells. Mm-hmm. A neuron is no different in that it is a cell. Mm. It needs oxygen to produce energy. Mm-hmm. So, a stroke or anything that a blood clot, anything that could stop, well, I guess that is a stroke. Um, that could stop the product or. Oxygen from being delivered to cells could lead to their death. Also, concussions, whiplash, or physical damage mm. has been shown to cause brain cell death. Basically, generally, bigger events like that definitely can kill brain cells. This but it's is not, not an just exhaustive bump list, your head at some right? Point. Me tapping your head is—I think I remember when I was in elementary school, people would like tap each other's head, be like, "Aha, that's one brain cell gone."
0: Oh wow, that is a memory that's flooding back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I okay, remember that. glad to know both of yeah. us at least
1: experienced that. Yeah. Um, But to Peter's question about, okay, we could lose them. Can they come back?
0: Kim had to lean away (laughs) for a tiny burp. The mocktail was getting... (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: As we talk about brain cell, before we talk about can they regrow, this idea, Peter, you provoked of growth is fascinating to me and leads us to maybe one of our first ever bonus misconceptions. First ever. A misconception discovered while researching I didn't realize was a misconception oh. I held. Um, so, to, for context, uh, and I got this information from Cambridge University, uh, infants generate neurons at a rate of 50,000 to 100,000 new neurons per Dang. second. Second? What? Between the 5th and 20, 20th weeks of conception per second now of course not all of those are in the brain however so this is when they're in utero astonishing in your utero there is a period of time where they are generating 50,000 to 100,000 new neurons per second
0: Mm. oh my gosh
1: which led me to this misconception do children or adults have more synapses or what I can loosely call like connections between brain cells Mm -hmm. that's my question to you do children or adults have more Uh,
2: oh. I know.
0: I w- oh, I want to say a- adults do? No, no, Peter's shaking his head. It's children. T- kids do.
2: Go yes. ahead. Oh, Here's you- where I take over. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, let me, let me say, you, it might be a misconception, but you brought up synaptic pruning, and I know there are certain, at least two times in your development where neurons get paired back a lot. So I'd say a kid before the first round of synaptic pruning mm. in, in adolescence, perhaps, has a lot more connections than your adult.
1: It, yes. And in fact, around two to three years old during synaptogenesis, mm. new band name, mm. um, is when we have the most synapses in our human life. Count it. Count it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as Peter accurately said, synaptic printing is a way that we... Basically, I thought this was just fascinating, just how our brains have evolved. Just sort of test the waters. Like, mm. which synapses do I need? Do I need to make connections in this way to survive mm-hmm. in this environment I have been thrown into?
0: So that's where calculus went.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, so... I, th- I think of it like the exploratory phase of a slime mm. mold. Mm. You know, just branch it all out there. Yep. Which ones sticks. do you need? Yeah. Pull them back
1: if they're not needed. Yep. And it is yeah, it this is a form of adaptation. It is a way to just go to figure out what do I need to best survive in this place that I am. Um and it does happen our entire lives. Mm. However, it is off, like as we were saying, is Plasticity. happening around two yeah, neuroplasticity is an entire realm that I've not delving into in this podcast, but you're, you're gonna explain all of this, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Buckle in. in. If yeah. How our science
2: works, you just Turn the page and just, I mean, just honestly. There's yeah. no, nothing deeper, right? It's just <laughs> right. surface. Everything you just, can get right. to everything
1: pretty quickly. Pretty quick. Here we go. <laughs> Two um, but yeah, uh, a lot of it's happening when you're little, when you're an adolescent. There's a lot of pruning going on, which is why education is so important. Public mm-hmm. education is so important. Joys <clears throat> um, are bad. Yeah. But it is important that to know that this can happen throughout your entire life. Um, which is why there could, there's thoughts that this idea that your brain's shrinking is not so much your brain is dying, some, or brain cells are dying, so much as you're just pruning through your entire life. Um, but getting into this idea of neurogenesis, do cells actually ever come back, or do they regrow if they do die? Um, of course, one important thing to note is that even if a brain cell dies, that synapse is gone, and if we regrow a new cell in that place... It does not necessarily mean we have that same memory or connection. Mm -hmm. And of course, this concept of memory is incredibly complex beyond what I'm going to explain here. Um, But, you know, just because you get those cells back doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have those same connections like you had before. Um, There's still a lot of research out there about how much is neurogenesis or this production of new brain cells occurring 1998 we got the first big piece of data that saying this does happen 2013 with over 1400 adult brains um and this i was reading in scientific american and harvard med was saying that there was a lot of research that supported neurogenesis but there's still a lot of research out right now of or debate in science around how much is it happening Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like just because it is is it is it an overwhelming amount like we're just regrowing new brain this cells all like the you time. you on. Right. Is this just, I can do whatever I want because it's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of stuff still out there. Yes, it's happening to the extent it's still going on. So I will end with this. If you're just fascinated by brains, oh as anyone I, should be. I
0: see the word shameless plug on shameless shameless computer. Shameless
1: plug. I do... Right, for a wonderful little organization called Backyard Brains. What? Whose entire mission is to create neuroscience, experiments, tools, curriculum, oh. information for the general public.
2: Is this where you had your, your little roach friends?
0: This yes. is where
1: I had cockroach friends. Yeah. Not just and you. We, we. we had got cockroach. <laughs> pets. Pets and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Yep. Um, they have a wonderful machine called the Brain Spiker Box. Uh, which is relatively cheap. Their whole mission is to get neuroscience out to the world, to the public, that this into is not... Into
0: classrooms, right? Into
1: classrooms. This is not just something that only people high up in academia can do, but you can experiment at home, and you can measure your friends, your loved ones, your pets. They're, well, maybe not your pets. Cockroach pets. The, what, are your, what are your brain waves like when you fall asleep? Like alpha and delta waves, if that sounds familiar. What is, happens in your brain when you blink or when you close your eyes? Does it change? There's a lot of things to do. Um, backyard Brains, you can check it out.
0: Nice job, Camden. Mm. Nice, seamless, shameless plug. Love that. All right, Peter, you're up next.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I'm not going to uncover all of neuroscience in, in this uh <laughs> Misconception. That's, that's I'm okay. really, I'm really glad I did cover
1: all of it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried I wouldn't. So. <laughs> You're like, check. Oh, yep. check. check. Yeah, got yep, it. Got it. Nice. <laughs> <All right, so laughs> we nailed it.
2: Okay. Um, if you crack your knuckles <sighs> for your whole life, like I do.
0: Like I do. Uh, <laughs> What's going to
2: happen uh, when you get older?
0: I'm surrounded. Arthritis, um, arthritis, arthritis. is what I've always been told.
2: <sighs> Please, come on. The source of this myth Come is through. Yes, yes, yes. my mother. Oh, <laughs> and, and wow. your and your mother and, and your, my and, and my friend's parents and your mother. Mm-hmm. He's pointing at all of us. <laughs> um, would you like to know the answer, or would you like to know some background? You know, even background
0: it, first, please, Peter.
2: Oh yeah, even if we weren't on air, I would want to know. Yeah, mm.
0: background, please.
2: Let's talk about the structure of your. Joints, specifically, and I'm going to use some fancy words just because I can. Uh, (laughs) The metacarpophalangeal joints, or... I thought you said you'd use fancy words. MCPs for for short. MCPs. Those are the joints that you would crack if you're cracking your hands. Of course, you have lots of other joints that can crack. Join us at home by staring at your hands like we are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... In your joints, you have, of course, two bones coming together. Mm -hmm. You have some cartilage Mm -hmm. that uh, we'll talk about. And you have ligaments Mm -hmm. that are attaching bone to bone. And then inside you have fluid. Yeah, It's called synovial fluid. Um, And so that's the region that we're talking about and that so many mothers are worried about. Mm -hmm. Um, Arthritis, there are lots of different types. Uh, We're talking specifically about osteoarthritis. Um, There are a bunch of different types even of osteoarthritis, but you can have an autoimmune disease called rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. No one thinks that that happens because of cracking. But osteoarthritis in general is uh, the wearing down of the cartilage, um, which can cause pain, stiffness, and swelling. Mm -hmm. Um, So why in the world would people think that cracking your knuckles would cause arthritis? What do you think?
0: I have always... Thought that it was just something that parents told their children Mm -hmm. so they would stop being so noisy and annoying. (laughs) Yeah, right.
2: That's when I thought of this. I also thought of, yeah, don't cross your eyes or else they'll stay like that. that. Yeah, yeah. It's just annoying
0: behavior that they're trying to create a boogie. But I think it has crossed
2: over into people. Yeah,
1: yeah. Actually, might think that creating justification for Mm -hmm. it. It's also a scare. Like it's a scary
2: sound, at least to me. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, you're body shouldn't make popping sounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's where I I, I don't know how everyone thinks about it but when I think of popping I think of like forces and things that might go wrong things snapping back or snapping in general. Yeah because it
0: does sound like a snap when
2: you do it. And so you think maybe uh, over time any kind of force would cause damage Mm -hmm. um, and wear something down stretch something out leading to eventual uh, terrible arthritis in those cracked Joints, mm-hmm. so there have been actually quite a few studies on this, and there is a lot of literature. I, I can't even shout out my sources because I just I really like to to read mm-hmm. a lot, and so I, I didn't unfortunately no, check fine. them out. But uh, some were paywalled, you know. Read some abstracts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But there were a lot of <laughs> geriatric studies, and that would the way this would work is you'd um, get elderly people and you ask them. Um, You know, did you crack your joints habitually, whether you're a kid or through your life? Some Mm -hmm. of them struggle to remember whether they had or had not. And then you would test to see if they had arthritis. Um, A particularly interesting paper that I read about, 1998, a paper published by Daniel Unger. He, being a scientist, I think he was a professor, for 50 years, he had, this is dedication. Yeah. Talk about being a bad habit. He had only cracked his knuckles (laughs) on one hand.
0: Oh He wow. actually received
2: an Ig Nobel Prize for this, which is an award for kind of s- ridiculous <laughs> but still perhaps having um, some impact. Mm-hmm. A study where n equals one yeah one, <laughs> one person was published, and um, all these came to the same conclusion or lack of conclusion mm-hmm. that there was no correlation between cracking knuckles and osteoarthritis.
0: Ooh.
2: Just go ahead.
0: Good news for all of us.
1: Here's the deal, though. I'm still scared by it. Not because so, of that, just
2: because it sounds painful. Well, let's talk about it. We're, I'm not done. Oh, thank God. Because so, <laughs> I'm still scared. I mean, it makes sense that it would cause damage. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to delve into what actually is happening when your knuckles crack. Mm-hmm. So again, we talked about you've got ligaments, you've got bones, you've got cartilage, you've got synovial fluid. So some ideas, if people have been thinking about this uh some people thought that it was kind of like ripping tape you know when you rip tape it makes a noise so it's adhesion because there is adhesion between the surfaces of your joints pretty tightly packed together perhaps if you pull it apart like you're pulling your finger that ripping would maybe make a noise Mm -hmm. another idea is that it's ligament recoil um so they actually Mm. there are other sounds in your body that are caused by ligaments or tendons kind of Pulling over other parts and that's that sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe is
1: that like knees cracking or is that different? Um,
2: like- there, each crack. You know, I'd have to diagnose as a, <laughs> as if now an expert. <laughs> <laughs> there could be size. some flu. Tell we'll we'll what, talk about does this sound? <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's crepitus also, which is like that's probably the bad one where it's bone on bone. That's like pre arthritis type of thing. There are lots of noise in your body. As we yeah. know, getting older, any, 30 plus, are we, are we yet. there yet? Almost. Okay. I Almost. got my 33 hanging in the yeah, corner yeah, yeah. here. Um, I,
0: I will say I always know that Camden's coming because his ankles pop yeah. all the time. Yeah.
2: Mine, mine pop. Yeah. yeah. My it's cat just, burglar days are over. Um, so those are actually not the source of this type of cracking. Okay. Um, it comes down to bubbles. Has anyone heard about bubbles and cracking?
0: I, that's what I thought I remembered about okay. it, is it has something to do with the fluid that's in mm-hmm, your
1: mm-hmm. joints. So, you so, shake up your hand like a fizzy water.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, let's, can I, <laughs> I would love, love come to come tell out. you more <laughs> about this. Can I tell you more about Please. the bubbles? Yes. Camden. So, Camden. let's, <laughs> uh, let's have some, uh, some analogies or some comparisons. Um, so, I don't want to go too deep into the physics chemistry, but um you all are scuba divers yeah okay um you've heard of decompression sickness Mm -hmm. Mm so can you tell about that what how does that happen
0: it has to do with nitrogen buildup in your blood Mm -hmm. um
2: and yep. so what happens is you naturally have gases dissolved in fluid Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when you decrease the pressure in the fluid Uh, to the point where it's equal to or less than the vapor pressure of the gas, bubbles start to form. Mm -hmm. So as you go up from the ocean, uh, from the depths, and you have dissolved nitrogen, then if the pressure decreases quickly, then that nitrogen will form bubbles instead of being dissolved, which can cause problems. That's the bends. The bends.
0: (laughs) 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 Mercedes-Benz.
2: When you pull, (laughs) or um, the literature calls it distract. Oh. When you distract a joint, when you basically are making more volume inside, you're decreasing the pressure, oh. which basically that synovial fluid is almost in a vacuum. It's really tight. Mm-hmm. So when you're pulling it, and you can do this in a syringe, actually. When That's you, you I was pull thinking a of. syringe, you can actually make bubbles form. Mm-hmm. And this is called tribonucleation, where you have tiny bubbles and then they grow bigger. Mm-hmm. It's also called cavitation. And here's where the researchers have gotten in some bickering, even up to as soon as, as recently as 2018. Is the sound from the bubble formation or the bubble collapse? Okay. So some, there was some real-time MRI that happened where people cracked their knuckles and they saw the gas even after the cracking. And so they said, it must be from the bubble formation. But other researchers said, that doesn't, the, the formation of bubbles doesn't cause enough force or sound, sound to, mm-hmm. to cause that. Right. And so, there was another 2018 paper that did a mathematical modeling of bubble formation and collapse, and they found through extensive maths that it, the frequency in the decibels produced matched that of bubble collapse. And that actually brings us closer to thinking that this might cause damage to your joints. Here's why. Oh, gosh. Have you heard of cavitation before?
1: Yeah. I made a scrunchy face because that word sounded
2: familiar. Mm-hmm. You Which might have heard it in terms of submarine propellers, things like that. No? No. 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 So <laughs> they're actually, <laughs> if you have a, a rapidly moving propeller and fluid um, and there are big changes in pressure, it can actually cause cavitation in those spaces. And you'd consider that generally poorly designed. And it actually causes damage to the propeller. And this is metal. Mm-hmm. So you, if Ugh. you pull up a blade that's been under cavitation, there's pitting in it that over time, if it happens in the same place, can um, make the blade compromised. Yeah. And that's caused by the same exact thing that researchers are saying is happening in your knuckles. Gosh. So <laughs> what they also found in this mathematical modeling was even though they think that's what's happening, is the collapse of bubbles sending out a little Mm shockwave, is it's only about 7% of the energy needed to damage articular cartilage, which is, articular just means inside your joints.
0: Okay, I feel better. I feel better. Okay, it's only 7% of the energy needed to damage your joints. Right. Okay.
2: So, I have more facts. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have questions? I'll just... A quick Google reminded yeah. me of why I've heard of cavitation. Oh.
1: Mantis shrimp.
2: Yes! Yes, go they, for it. Mantis That's, shrimp are one of the few um, non human species that can do cavitation just with their bodies mm-hmm. by the speed of their attack.
0: Yeah.
2: If you've never
1: Googled man, or YouTubed mantis shrimp, you are welcome. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. For your nightmares.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so, yeah, yeah. They're
0: beautiful though. Yeah.
1: Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Peter. That's it. That's
2: all. Um, yeah, that, that is true. Um, there are a few smaller sub uh, studies, you know, with like 50 to 70 people. Uh, some found that there was a correlation with cracking your knuckles and lower grip strength, um, a little mm-hmm. more hand swelling. But those were, in other studies, not found, and it's still a correlation. Okay. Um, it was correlated Hand cracking, knuckle cracking was correlated with manual labor, those who bit their nails and smoked. So it's sort of a, a habitual thing. Mm. Maybe People who nervous, have those habits. You know, some yeah. habit, habit stuff. Um, another study found that there was increased thickness of cartilage in those who cracked their knuckles. So that might be even yeah. uh, not like maybe even protecting from arthritis, but again, correlation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is actually an increased range of motion Immediately after cracking, and that's related to, um, there's kind of that um, vacuum almost creates more stability in your joint, so when you add bubbles, it actually makes the joint a little bit less stable. Um, so you could argue that there's some things that are not so great about cracking your knuckles. Maybe it stretches your ligaments. Maybe, that, maybe you want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be an annoying sound. It might be a bad habit, but there is no evidence that it causes arthritis,
0: Yay. Well, that's a lot to take in next time that I... It's a lot to think about next time I want to crack my knuckles. I think yeah. they're all...
2: Bubbles and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's only one
1: way to exit that misconception. I think I cracked all of my Oh, knuckles. you did? Yeah, I can't. Okay. I can't <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't have any more.
2: Well, I refuse to. And I was actually researching why can't you crack Look, multiple I was going to ask you that, yeah. And there was... I think, actually, after reading a lot, I don't agree with what people are saying. Mm. They're saying there's like a 20-minute relapse period where the gas needs to re-dissolve. Re- yeah. But I don't think that's right. I think, like, if you do the syringe experiment... You can do it again. As long as you decrease the volume and increase the pressure back, they'll go back to dissolved. Hmm. So I think it might be... Actually stretching the joint out, perhaps, because mm-hmm. there's some there's some. Oh. As a person who cracks a lot of things, some things really crack. You can crack them within 30 seconds again. Yeah. Um, but maybe the joints that you can't crack, perhaps they're stretched. Yeah. Like
1: um, a syringe that won't go back to its starting. Right,
2: point. and okay. then maybe it's a mm-hmm. ligament thing that they need to kind of tighten back up. Oh. They did find that those with big gaps between their knuckles, like greater than 1.4 millimeters. Could not easily crack their knuckles. Ah. so there is something related to the hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> so see me in the journals 2021. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be writing. Uh, yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah, I really I really I had fun. It.
0: Yeah, well, thanks, Peter That's thank you. Awesome, yeah, because that's one I've held for a long mm. time. It's always in the back of my mind. When yeah. I I'll still crack my knuckles. I but yeah
2: I crack stuff way too much. All the time.
1: Cracking, good job. <laughs> You'll have to leave. You come back the accent. All
0: right. Oh, boy. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My turn. So, I'll do it in the style of Camden. I have a question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have certain. What,
0: what do bulls hate? Bulls? bulls like B-U-L-L-L. Color
2: red. They, oh, wait. I thought they were attracted to it.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh wait. Yeah, no, I thought they hated it. Wait, because yeah, you hold up a red cape. We have a misconception within a misconception. Mm -hmm. You hold up a red cape, and they attack it because they attack it because they love it, hate, hurt their ancestors. (laughs) Um, we've already
0: derailed this. Interesting, interesting. No, the misconception is that bulls, let's say taking both of you into account, react strongly to the color red. It arouses them. That's a good. That's a good null hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in some way, thanks for bridging, Bridging, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Um, so my sources for this were Live Science, Business Insider, Ripley's Believe It or Not, (laughs) Dr. Christopher S. Baird from West Texas A&M University. He has this whole, um, like, blog where he answers these common misconceptions. Mm. So if you haven't checked him out, again, Dr. Christopher S. Baird from West Texas A&M. Also, BBC News and Columbus Direct. So, I want to give a... a warning for this bullfighting is rough. Um, so if you are not comfortable with mm-hmm. this. Um, Sorry, folks.
1: Margaret has been asked to weave. <laughs> I will be taking over by reading her notes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then uh, you're welcome to skip ahead. I'm, I'm going to try to keep it as not, you know, graphic as possible. Yeah. You can also
1: my son also rises. And then, or the son also rises. Yeah, yeah we don't
2: yeah. need to talk about all the violence toward no. bulls right now. Yeah. No, okay. we do not.
0: We do not. Um, So bullfighting goes back to the first century in Spain. Bullfights, I learned, happen in other countries too, like Colombia, Peru, and Mexico, but it's like a core cultural practice in Spain. In Spain, it's known as La Lidia, and the red cape that um, bullfighters have is called the muleta. Mm. So here's the deal. Bulls, like other cattle, they can't see red. What? They can't see red.
1: Not even Uh at all? Bonus misconception.
0: They're colorblind to it, Um, at least from our perspective. Hmm. Because for them, it's normal. They're not colorblind at all, you know?
1: Wow, makes you think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the crux of this misconception is that bull is not drawn to the particular color of the cloth, but to the movement of it. It's the Hmm. movement that, that they react to.
1: Is there going to be research about whether it moves or not moves?
0: Uh, yes, there's there's gonna be lots of research on this one, so even if you if you were to watch a bullfight, which again I would not recommend, that misconception you can see it be debunked as you watch because there are three stages I believe to a bullfight, and the moleta is the last stage, and you've already seen the bull react to capes that are other colors too. Mm. Like there's a larger cape earlier called the capote that is either purple, gold, or blue, or some combination of that, they also charge those. So,
2: so the red is just the final...
0: It's the final one. one. And I'll mm. talk briefly about why that is in, in a little bit. But, so they, they react to anything that's moving. It's the movement. Um, Mythbusters <laughs> um, experimented with this misconception. They first put flags of different colors, including red, into an enclosure with the bull. The bull charged all three flags, didn't matter what color they were. Then, um, a later phase was that they put a person, they put three people inside an arena with a bull. One that was wearing red but not moving, and then two that were wearing, I think, yellow and blue but were moving around a lot. The bull only cared about those two people. They didn't care about the one that was standing still wearing all red. So, again, supporting that idea that it's really just the movement that they mm-hmm. care about. So, let's get into the bull's visual abilities Um, so overall cattle don't have the, the red retina receptor. And so they really can only see combinations of green, blue, and yellow and violet shades as Mm. well. So to back up a little bit, color vision for mammals, as you might know, involves the cones in the retina, the cone cells three. There are three varieties of these cones that mammals have, or that some mammals have humans have one for seeing red, one for seeing green and one for seeing blue. So the overlap that those cones have allows us to see all the thousands and thousands and thousands of colors that we can see. For example, computer screen manufacturers make use of this phenomenon by creating screens that are really just pixels of red, blue, and... I'm sorry, red. Yeah, red, blue, and green. green. Mm -hmm. And then we, with our eyes, just create the rest of those colors, Mm. which is pretty wild. Um... Many mammals, however, like bulls, are called dichromats. Meaning what?
1: Two. See. Two. Oh, Yay. Shout out to Nathan Lent's book on human errors, where he talks about how we evolved trichromatic vision. Also fascinating.
0: Yeah. Um, so dichromats, they just have those two kinds of cones instead of three. And as you've probably gathered by now, which ones don't bulls have? What color? Red. Gray. Oh. <laughs> the red ones. Yes, but they do have the blue and the green. So, according to uh Dr. for Dr. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Fur. Dr. Fur, Dr. Christopher S. Baird, um to a bull that red cape probably looks yellowish gray is how it looks. Hmm. So not red at all. So, this is where you want to maybe close your ears if you're sensitive to this stuff. Um So it's red because the cape is red. The moletta is red because it's near the end of a bullfight. And the bullfighter waves the red cloth and hides his sword behind it and stabs the bull as it goes past. And that red cloth hides the blood. Yeah. So I think i mentioned before, I'm a vegetarian, work at the aquarium not a big fan of animal cruelty. Um, Ferdinand also implanted in me this idea that bulls are very great. Have Ferdinand you read this?
2: Have you read that book? I have.
0: Ferdinand the Bull. It's yeah. He's a
2: very gentle sleeping bull. Or he just cousin. wants to just sit wants under to the sit, court right? tree. Right? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. all he
0: ever wanted. Um, if you haven't read it, I would strongly recommend Ferdinand. It is tied for my favorite children's book, mm. along with Tacky the Penguin. Hmm. Um, anyway, so status of bullfighting I was doing some research on is it banned I thought I had heard something that it was maybe going to be banned maybe it wasn't Um, the number of bullfights in Spain is dropping but it hasn't been outlawed yet many Spaniards do believe that bullfighting is animal abuse but a lot of Spaniards also say like it's part of our culture this is what we've done for thousands of years or at least hundreds of years this is what we do Um, in Portugal they no longer kill the bull in the ring but they like wound the animal's shoulder so the bull survives but I also read that it might be killed pretty soon after Um, it's still obviously a raging debate in Spain a lot of um, political parties actually talk about this debate Uh, of whether or not there should be bullfights anymore my advice would be two things if you're going to Spain don't go see a bullfight because your money will go towards that practice two um, if you feel strongly about this which I hope you do You can get involved with Spanish anti-bullfighting groups. I was reading that a lot of Spaniards are angry when people from other countries, like organizations like PETA from other Mm. countries, come in and say, like, you're wrong.
2: Because they don't know the culture. Exactly,
0: Mm. exactly. So I would strongly recommend getting involved with anti-bullfighting groups that are from Spain Mm -hmm. themselves. So bullfighting is not great, to say the least, but bulls only have two types of cones. So they don't, they don't really care about the color. They care about the movement. Mm. Mm. Questions? Comments? I like that. I
1: don't... I think I... If you... I mean, it's hard to know in this show. By you asking, I felt like it was a misconception.
0: <laughs> That's how it but goes. I don't think
1: I could have told
2: you more about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you brought up an important, perhaps, misconception... That uh, bullfighting is not all just fun and games because no. I think in the U.S. what comes with that you you see someone holding a red and it's mm-hmm. all like I'm just letting yeah. the bull go yeah. through and it's like a rodeo right you know like that it's not a rodeo
1: no
0: yeah. that's no. a
2: good point
1: I think cartoons taught me that the bull runs through it mm-hmm. and the joke is that that's what I uh-huh, yeah. there was nothing yeah. there no right yeah. it's harmless
0: yeah but it is it is not yeah so um, if you feel strongly like I said do some do some activism work there's lots to be done so um all right we're gonna end with our segment about what we've been consuming this week so before we end each episode we have a short segment sharing something that we have read listened to watched otherwise consumed so i'm gonna start since i went last and i have been consuming something called a show called qi have you heard of it peter Quite. It it stands that, for.
1: It's a great Scrabble word.
0: Chi. Well, that's true, but it's also an acronym in this case. <laughs>
1: Quality <Sorry>. insurance.
0: <laughs> yes, I love insurance shows. You may be
1: familiar <laughs> with it being played every morning in our household.
0: Yeah, and every night. Quidditch it?
2: International.
0: Oh, I wish. No, this is a. It is British, but it is a show called QI, which stands for Quite Interesting, mm. and it's a British show that's been going on for years and it's a panel of people there's one host the original host was Stephen Fry the love of my life and then the uh. oh sorry uh, the second the other love of my life good recovery and uh and then now it's hosted by um Sandy Toksvig if you're familiar with Great British Bake Off she's been a recent um kind of MC on Great British Bake Off she's Denmark she's very funny anyway so there's a host and then there's a panel of British comedians or or American or other international comedians and they ask them questions and actually it is very educational and very funny because it's a bunch of comedians but a lot of they cover a ton of scientific misconceptions on this show um because they're basically like testing what we hear all the time you know and it's, it's a good selection of a broad audience um but I would highly recommend it. You can find a lot of, of these episodes on YouTube. So QI is what it's called. Okay. Very funny. Very and informative. It's,
2: okay, so it's a, it's a video.
0: Show. Yeah, I think it it's probably on BBC. Well, no, I know it's on BBC, but okay. I don't I don't know how to get that. So
2: YouTube. Great. I haven't heard of that. I'll check it out.
0: Yeah. Peter, what have you been consuming?
2: Um, I've been listening to a podcast called Dissect. Mm. Uh, one of my friends, Kinsey, recommended it. Um, it is... So nerdy. Um, It's a person (laughs) who goes, each podcast is about one song of an album. And it's, Oh. uh, I think it's only, he's only done about four, I think they're all rap albums. Mm -hmm. So Kendrick Lamar, Kanye. I've only listened to the Kendrick and the Kanye. So this one is, uh, I'm listening to is on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Mm. Okay. And it is absurdly nerdy like almost like painfully <laughs> in, at some points like he's this one guy and he's done all himself and he's a, you can tell he's like written an essay mm-hmm. and he's reading it Wow! and he uses juxtapose a lot and <laughs> he goes into music theory <laughs> and he's done a lot of research and it's really cute and mm-hmm. like satisfies my music nerd and even goes beyond it uh, it's, it's really it's quite something so check it out if you want to hear a nerdy white person Talk about hip hop and uh, yeah,
0: and it's called dissect. Dissect. That is not knowing you and what we have just talked about. That is not the direction I expected (laughs) that podcast to go in.
1: When you said nerdy and dissect, yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: that sounds great, Camden. No
1: bait and switch. Uh,
0: (laughs) Hey, hey there. So
1: (laughs) I finished reading. So you want to talk about race Hmm. uh, by Joma Oluo? Uh, She is from Seattle, so. Shout out to her in Seattle. Um, this book is magnificent. I, as a white man, am often trying to better myself and uh, read a lot more about issues of race, um, educate myself rather than relying on others to educate me. Um, it there's it, it covers everything. I mean, the, it's called. Do you want to talk, so you want to talk about race? Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of issues of race in it. Um, matters of privilege, police brutality, intersectionality, microaggressions, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of things, um, is not just written for, like, white people who want to educate themselves, although she often, like, addresses um, us in that way when particularly this is something that white people are doing. It's specifically because they are often in uh, the places of power and why she's addressing us. Hmm. Um, I think one big thing that I really took away from it was just this idea of not to invalidate someone's experience. Um, she often says that like if someone told you like if you told someone this is how you felt in a moment and then someone said no this is not how you felt you would feel very angry yeah. and you would feel like how dare you ever tell me how I felt in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, she often relates things to this is how um, people of color will feel when you like maybe try to invalidate like whether something you did comes across as racist or you're trying to defend this was not racially motivated, by like saying that it isn't is like telling someone this is not how you perceived it. Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. invalidating their experience. Um, a lot of times her argument comes back to that, which is very like simple way to think about things. Obviously, it is much more well written than the way I'm speaking about it, and um, I think it is a good book. Yeah, and
0: and and you can find her speaking on many different platforms on YouTube. Yeah. She has a lot of great videos. She's made a lot of TV appearances. And, of course, we read the book as well. Yeah. Thanks, Camden. Yeah, thanks. thanks, Peter. So we want to thank you all so much for listening today. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please rate us and leave a quick review. Recently, we've started to see new unique listeners pop in. We're so excited about that. And we know that written reviews and ratings can help new listeners decide if they want to give us a listen, too. So. Help us and new listeners or new potential listeners out, and uh, leave us that review. Thanks.
1: You can hear more content like this from our sister wife podcast, From U to O, co-hosted by my co-host or hosted by my co-host Margaret. Your co-host (laughs) is
0: yourself. Don't pee on your leg and other scientific misconceptions is a podcast produced by Two Birds One Scone. Articles, blog posts, and more about what you can do every day to conserve our environment can be found at twobirdsonescone.org.
1: Our original theme music is by Camilla.
0: And if you have any scientific misconceptions that you'd like explained or you want to provide feedback to us, please email us at leg at gmail.com.
1: Have a, a great, great
0: week! week.
2: on so this is me being on the mic sounds nice (laughs) check check (laughs) i said this is this is me also kick a freestyle um
0: hey little kids how was school did you learn a lot of math how was science was it fun even if you're a girl you can still do science don't let anyone tell you you can't